Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. I'm Gavin Spittle of The Fan, and I'm joined by EP Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazines, and more, Sean Shapiro. How are you, my friend? I'm good, I'm good. It's a Monday. I've already watched a full hockey game, actually. Yes! I was, uh, I was over down at the uh, USA USA Hockey uh, Tier uh, 14, 14 and Under Tier 1 National Championships. I was helping out... Uh, a freelance project i was helping out cover that today so i was over there and uh so already watched a good really actually really good game 2-1 game um and uh watched a team from buffalo beat the team from chicago 2-1 to to win the national title and uh man I, there's something that i just i'm watching it and there's a takeaway that i really uh i had forgotten they'd done it because we saw i i feel like i had known but i hadn't until you witness it in person mm-hmm. is um for USA hockey this year, they made a rule change for some of the younger age groups where you can no longer um you can no longer ice the puck when you're on the penalty kill. So when you're on the penalty kill and you ice the puck, it's just like you ice the puck on five on five. It's a face-off in your defensive zone. And I think it's it's great. Like mm-hmm. honestly, I you see them you see this in person and I th- and you think about the NHL and you think about how often NHL power plays our NHL penalty kill. The entire essence is win the puck and ice the puck away and just kill time. Like the fact adding a rule where you can't ice the puck, you have to either gain the red line to ice the puck. Like you do at five on to, to, to get the puck down. Like you do at five on five. I, I love the concept of you broke one rule. So you don't have, so you broke like right now it's such a silly it's in the NHL, right? You break one rule. And you lose and a guy goes to the box, but you now get permission to break another rule and you get to yeah. ice the puck. So I, I loved it. I, it. To me, I think it's a rule that would be great mm. for the NHL long term. I know one of the initial like things is going to be um, one of the initial responses is going to be that adds more whistles. And and I, I think those whistles are an OK trade off where I'd rather have, say, the Dallas Stars go on the power play. Do you want to lose 30 to 45 seconds of offensive time when of regrouping or can we just go straight to offensive action? I'm willing to trade a couple more whistles for, for that and making teams think a little bit more about trying to get the puck out of the zone. And like, I'm uh so seeing this idea in person, it's always been one that I've always liked in theory, but seeing it in person, I really, uh, I'm all aboard making, bringing this to the NHL at some point where, 
you're on the penalty kill. It's just like five on five. You can't ice the puck. You ice the puck, there's a defensive zone faceoff. Do you, I mean, how difficult would that be though? As you know, you're minus a player in the NHL and you have to carry it out to the red line. That's tough. No, it's you. You want ways to add offense. No, that would definitely change. add offense yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you 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 want ways to add offense, and you want ways to create. Um, and and I think it starts. It starts. It puts. It allows the game to evolve too, where you uh, you it might. It would be a way to get some of your better players on the ice more often. Like right now, you have a lot of the times you'll have guys who are penalty killers who. They're essentially penalty killers because they're they don't even they don't have to be that mobile, they don't really have to be fast, but they're able to kill space and ice the puck. You'd have to use some of your better players. You'd have to use some of your better skaters on the penalty kill. And I think it's a way where you get more ice time for more of your players. Uh for, for like fans would get to see some of the bigger names more often naturally. I think it would come up that way as well. So I I I'm I, I'm all aboard this idea. I was talking to someone on the phone on the ride back who uh, has uh, who who covers the AHL, and he was all aboard on the idea of uh, testing it in the AHL for first and seeing how it works. And I, I would love to see that because I think this is a simple fix that doesn't uh, that doesn't really change the fabric of the game the way some other things that the way some other rule changes like i've never been a fan people are like like sometimes you hear like oh we want bigger nets i I don't like that one like there's sometimes there's some there's sometimes things where there's certain things that change the fabric of the game too much i think this is for me it's a minor fix um it's a it's a minor tweak that doesn't change the only person it'll, it'll be weird the first couple times you see a team ice the puck and First couple times you see see a team ice the puck and then they uh on the, but then they have to go to a defensive zone faceoff. It'll be weird the first couple times, but after that it'll feel normal. So well, I've I'm, often uh, I've often said yeah. even though going down, usually if a team is down, they'll pull their goalie, so it becomes a six on four. But to mm-hmm. me, in the final moments of a game, you have the advantage. Other than you know, I mean, because what do teams do inevitably? They're trying to clear it out of the zone. You know, when, oh, when time's winding right. down and you're, you know, We've you're winning that. the game. So, I mean, you know, it's almost a, sometimes like, you know, there's a minute and a half left, let's say, and uh, the Stars take a penalty. So, oh, you yeah. know, it, it's it's not good that you're now six and four, but it is good that you can just totally ice the puck at any time. Yeah, it, I mean, I know, for example, um, I've played in when I played games that not actually mattered, but like I've played, obviously, I still play the, the play the beer league game on Wednesday nights but uh even when I still when I was still playing high school hockey and stuff like that in a close game late and there's less than a minute left or something like that we had coaches who were willingly who gave the full green light to be like hey don't be afraid to take a penalty to prevent a chance in the last minute because the game's going to end in a minute either way and then all we have to worry about is icing the puck. So I, it, it would definitely, it would, it would make the end of game situation better too with a power play where, like, imagine, like the stars, like the stars tonight, right? Imagine, imagine the game goes, maybe, imagine it's a three-two game, late in the game, and the stars have a power play and they're trying to come back in the game, right? And there's a power play and and Nashville takes a penalty with a minute left. 
Nashville's just going to try to ice the puck and kill the clock. All of a sudden, if you can't ice the puck and you have to, and it leads to offensive zone faceoffs, you're just going to keep having more and more drama pumped into it naturally by the situation. Like, I, I think it's, I think it can be, a, I'd love to see it tested obviously by the AHL and the ECHL first, but I, I I'd like to see it. Kind of, kind of fascinating. Do at that level, 14, U do they have the probably more of a Canadian thing, but do they have a stop on the back of their jerseys or cross checking? Uh, uh, I did not see the stuff. Yeah, I think on the it's a Canadian it. thing, but I've always been in favor of that, especially for yeah, U18. I've, I've you know, I mean, we just see it yeah. so much in the NHL now. Um, yeah. You know, and I, these guys are professionals. I know what they're doing, but, you know, with concussions and stuff, that's just such a vulnerable position. Um, mm-hmm. You know, over the, over the weekend, uh, I just seen it a couple of times and I'm like, wow, that seemed uh, senseless. But the news yeah. of the day. And it's big, and you were all over it um, with the tweet that Thomas Harley is being recalled from Texas, and he's actually in the lineup tonight. So give us a little detail on why you feel this is happening, and I have a twist that I'm going to throw you after that. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, we kind of knew this would happen at some, we I, we always kind of feel this would happen at some point where, um that at some point Thomas Harley would play in the NHL this season. I think honestly it would have come. I thought it was going to come earlier in the season because I thought the star, I didn't think the stars would be as healthy as they have been defensively. Um, And essentially the stars kind of went into this season, a lot of that thinking where they wanted Thomas Harley to play as many minutes as possible to kind of get him going and, and, and have his best possible development. And the stars never really got hurt on defense and never had a forced had the were never really forced to call him up. Now it's gotten to this place where you look at kind of there's been some questions of how things have gone defensively lately and, and trying to find some solutions. And it's the Thomas Harley scenario has moved beyond the best development for Thomas Harley conversation to what's the best chance to win for the Dallas Stars. And that is where we're at now in the Thomas Harley situation. And that's the reason the stars recalled Thomas Harley today. They're at the spot where they want to have the best six defensemen ready for game one of the playoffs against the let's against likely against possibly it could be Colorado. Yeah. It could be Colorado. It could be like they want, they want to have the best six defensemen ready for that. And Thomas Harley may be one of those best six. Um, and so he's in tonight. It's not an emergency recall. You got two healthy scratches on defense, Joel Hanley and, and Nils Lundquist. And uh, it's uh, it's not Thomas Harley's NHL debut. He's he's played NHL games before. Um, but this season in Texas was all about, was really all about him taking the next step. And I've got, I went and pulled well, this is loading. I went and pulled some numbers out of curiosity for, uh, I should be pulling. I attempted to pull numbers. They're loading here of, of what Thomas Harley has done this season with the Texas stars. And he's played 57 games with them. He's got 28 points. He's playing in all situations. He is averaging. He's averaged down there. Um, 
Where is it? He's averaging 20 minutes, 57 seconds a game. He's averaging. He's, he's getting time on the penalty kill and the power play. Uh, he's doing a little bit of everything down there. And for Dallas, the question is, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you have to use your best six defensemen. Is Thomas Harling your best six? I think he's going to get that chance now. He's going to get that chance to prove over at least the next couple games that he could be in for the playoffs. That's all great. It is wonderful news. The thing and the debate that is going to uh, lay up on that is that is yep. definitely going to rile people up on Twitter. Yep. I'm ready. <laughs> and we've, I'm we've ready. talked about this before. Ryan Suter ain't getting scratched, people. Yeah, not only that, he moved up to the first line. <laughs> All signs in practice today is that Ryan Suter is your first line pair with Miro Heiskanen. Essa Lindell yes. with Yanni Hockenpah, Thomas Harley with Colin Miller. So as you mentioned, yeah. Hanley and Lundquist out, Frederick Olofsson in for Joel Kiviranta. So, yeah. so that, that's... Uh, it, is, it is not a... It is a Thomas Harley is not coming in for Ryan Suter. He's so, coming in for Nils Lundqvist and Joel Hamley. And I understand that. I understand where people come from when they get frustrated with Ryan Suter's usage. Um, I actually think, like, personally, I think I, I don't like Ryan Suter on the top pair with Miro Heiskanen. I, I really don't like that. Um, now, I Ryan Suter is... From the star's management perspective, Ryan Suter's not a problem. Ryan Suter is a veteran who they want out there and in playing in key moments, and he's not going anywhere. So you people have to accept that. This season, Ryan Suter is a fact of life for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, absolutely. Same, so same thing with Yanni. Yeah, same thing with Yanni Hockenpah, yeah. too, who also has not had who has been who has not had the greatest of years either. So it's it's really it's really an unfortunate pick your poison type moment for stars right. fans of like you you want to see Thomas Harley play and you're excited about it but Nils Lundqvist is scratched he's not going to play and Nils Lundqvist also is no longer waiver exempt so Nils Lundqvist can't go to the AHL to play so this is where he is so. yeah yeah no I know there's nothing nothing we can do and they're all under contract for next season so if you let's just say get rid of Ryan Suter okay. You have to, you'd have to buy him out essentially, because I don't know if teams are going to take on that contract, you know, for a player like that, unless no, there's no something, one, no one's no, unless no there's something the juicy Ryan, that's no, included with it. No, no one's taking the Ryan Suter contract. The only, the only way you can trade Ryan Suter is if you can get a team to retain salary. If if you're you're going to have to a retain salary on yep. him, and b you're going to have to often a sweetener. Like yep. you're going to have to give. You're going to have to give the Arizona Coyotes or the Anaheim Ducks someone or someone good. like that. Someone you're going to have to give them a, a, a pick. Yep. That is going to that is going to hurt. Yep. And here's here's the other thing. Let's just be clear on this. Ryan Suter has a full no move clause through 2025. Yes. You can't trade him. Exactly. He is he is immovable. The only you can buy him out, and that is we can play around with that literally wonderful. We have these cap friendly. So, has yeah. These, so uh, while you, wonder, while you do yeah, the yeah. buyout, I'm going to throw yeah. this out. So I don't want to take away because kudos to Harley who went down, did his due diligence, grew into the position. And I'm glad he's getting that opportunity. My concern is it's one thing to put an NHL veteran like Joel Hanley in 
But when you bring up a, another guy that was a top pick in the organization and put him in front of Nils Lundqvist, Nils has psychologically said all the right things. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, or he's probably thinking, what do I have to do to crack this lineup? I mean, it's getting to the point where I cracked the Rangers lineup more than I did this Stars team. So that's my question is, what does this hold for the future of Nils Lundqvist? Because if he can't get in and you're calling up a guy from the AHL, which I admit he has improved, but at the same time, there are still some question marks uh, on Harley. It's not like it's a sure thing. And he was up and down last year. If you're Lundqvist, you're like, what do I have to do? And is he psychologically now starting to question? And we've all seen that where if you do crack the lineup and you do make a mistake, are you thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to be out the next night. So I have those things in my mind. Whereas if you wanted to make a move to help defensively and you wanted to bring in an offensive defenseman, why wasn't Lundqvist reinserted into the lineup? Yeah, it's, I mean, Lundqvist, it's, he has said, and he said, he has said all the right things. Right. Okay. But you know what? He also said all the right things when things were going poor in New York. And then his agent requested a trade. Like it's, 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 there's a big difference between players saying the right things to the media on the record and what they really feel. I've talked to players before who I've talked to them about contract things and written stories about it. And they've said the right things. And then afterwards we'll turn the recorder off and they'll be like, man, F that I'm pissed off. I want this. I want that. Like, and it's, and maybe, and it changes whether you write the story sometimes even, but it's like, so Nils Lindquist has said all the right things, but whether his, he and his agents think what's happening is the right thing or not as a whole, whole nother scenario. I mean, it comes down to the fact this, this is where it comes down to me. It's the stars have to figure they, I, they have to make a decision on something. They have to, they have to, obviously, obviously Miro Heiskanen is the future, the present, and the everything for the stars. Um, you have Colin Miller, who's getting way more, you're getting surplus value on Colin, Miller, on Colin Miller's contract. He's part of your long-term plans. And any, that's just smart. Um, the question becomes long-term, and as you build out and everything, is you're going to have to make a decision on not this season, because this season you're just going to, you can, you can play everything out and you can do what you want to win a Stanley cup or whatever, right? You should win a Stanley cup. You should try to win a Stanley cup. I I would, I would highly advise being a hockey team, trying to win the Stanley cup, but long-term is the Ryan Suter buyout. The path is, is that the best path forward for this franchise? Because Buying out Ryan Suter, and I pulled up the numbers while we were while you were, while you were talking about this. It would save two point eight six million in cap hit next year, and the following season. And then you would eat a little bit. And then the twenty five, twenty six, and the twenty six, twenty seven season, you would it would definitely you, you would eat a little bit of you, you'd have you'd be carrying one point four three three 
3333 million uh in dead cap at each of the next two of the 25 26 26 27 seasons so you'd have a little bit of wiggle room to to deal with on that but because of um but with Ryan Suter there you keep running into this spot where the coach is going to make the decision between Lundquist and Hartley yep this is where the GM and by extension, because we've, we've acknowledged this on this podcast, and it's true, and by extension, the owner, because he is very hands-on, even if he does it quietly, um, have, you have to make the decision. Do you want, you have to take, you have to be the adult in the room, for lack of a better word, and you have to take the decision out of the coach's hands. Coaches' jobs are to win and put lineups on the ice they think can win the game for them tomorrow not who can be the best player two years from now. That's the GM's job. The GM's job is to, from an asset management standpoint, to remove Ryan Suter from the situation so you can have Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist both part of the plan. I just don't see how it happens with Ryan Suter still here because Ryan Suter will always be, as long as Ryan Suter is signed, he will, as suit on the Dallas roster, he will play. That is, he's not getting scratched. He's not getting scratched. He's not coming out. So this comes to a point of pride and a point, a big decision for Jim Nill and Tom Gillardi to admit by, and they don't even have to say it out loud, but, but just by their own action, admit mistake in the Ryan Suter deal because of what it did for your long-term and buy him out. And that is and this is this isn't even Gavin. This isn't even a debate for me right now of whether this is the best possible lineup tonight. That's a different conversation. It is just this is the long term perspective of Ryan Suter is going to age and get worse. Esselindel is going to age and get worse. Yanni Hakapa is going to age mm-hmm. and get worse. All of these players are on places where they're going to age and get worse. Nils Lundqvist, Thomas Harley are still on the career direct trajectory where they can age and get better. So there's the whole, there's the famous quote or whatever, right? There's the GM speak where it's like, I'd rather trade a player a year early than a year too late. And I I don't remember who gets credit for saying that, but Ryan Suter's already, it's time to do that with Ryan Suter this offseason, just because you have to, otherwise you're going to create a spot where, Thomas Harley or Nils Lundqvist cancels the other out and it won't be internal competition. If they're both in the lineup, it's great because they're both pushing each other. But if it's internal competition for who's sitting in the press box, eating chicken fingers and who's playing on the third pair, one's going to cancel the other out and you're going to lead to a spot where one of them may request a trade. One of them may want out one of them, or they're not going to develop it. They're not going to develop the proper way. Well, it's, and, and there, yeah. Sean, there has to be something that DeBoer and his coaches are down on about Lundquist at this point, right? I mean, he, there's he, been too he, many he, he, opportunities he, he, as far as reinsertion into the lineup. Is it defensive? He, 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 he does need to be better defensively. Yeah. He, he needs to get better defensively. And this is where, and Harley has, one thing that Thomas Harley has on Nils Lundquist is the size. It's not, mm-hmm. and Thomas Harley is not big. Thomas Harley is, is not is not massive by any stance. I mean, he looks a little bit like, but he he is six three and two oh five. And Nils Lundquist is what what is Nils? Nils is 
he and Nils is 5'11 and 187. Like it is something where the stars coaches, they've looked at their defense from the beginning of the year and they've worried about being too small. They've worried about getting pushed around when the games get hard. And Thomas Harley is not a, he's not a brawler. He's not an enforcer. He's not that type of player, but he's still bigger. He's, he's four inches and 30 pounds heavier than Nils Lundqvist. And, and he passes more of the off the bus test than Nils Lundqvist does. Mm-hmm. He passes more of the, you go into the corner. If you're a, if you're a six foot tall forward and you go into the forward with Nils Lundqvist, you're staring at the top of his head. If right. you're a six foot tall forward, you're going to the corner with Thomas Harley. You're staring at the Dallas stars logo on his chest. Yep. That is, I, I know people like, I know size sometimes gets like, and I think sometimes we do think about it too much, but there are times where that's, that is a natural. Absolutely. Intimidation thing that people forget sometimes. I mean, how many, like you go and you talk to someone, um, one of the tricks I had, one of the tricks that I learned in my career, thanks to Jamie Alexiak, because he's six foot six, when I was covering, when I was covering the stars and, and anytime I talked to a really tall player, I try to be, and this is just talking to them. It's much easier for me talking to them as a human. If I, if we're both sitting down, so I don't feel like I'm eight inches shorter than them, which I am. And, um, <laughs> and it's, and, and it's, there is a natural human thing of, you go into that corner, you go into that battle where Yanni Hockenpah looks like he's going to hurt you. Nils Lundqvist doesn't look like that. Yeah. And it, and, it, and so it, there's that element of it where Thomas Harley has that. He also has the, he's also been in Thomas Harley's development. It's been, it's been handled well this year. He's been able to play every situation. He's learning things defensively. He's been allowed to make mistakes. Nils Lundqvist hasn't been allowed to make mistakes. Right. And that's, and that's the thing where Tom hopefully and hope and, and like, and this is the thing where it's like, it's kind of like the, the, it's like a deal with the devil on this. Like you want Thomas Harley to play well, but the longer, the more Thomas Harley plays well, the more Nils Lundqvist gets stuck in the press box. He may not play another NHL game this year. Yep. And then what happens when you go into next season? Like I, I'm all for the idea of, I like I I I'm all for the idea of giving Thomas Harley the chance right now. I'm all for having figuring out your best six for the playoffs. If Ryan Suter's in your best six defenseman for game one of the playoffs, fine. I'm not upset with that. That if that's if that's the reality, that's okay. But it just goes back to show how much you've taken away the opportunity for development and growth in Lundquist by making him live in this space where he was getting scratched for Joel Hanley. Like, and, and that, that that's another issue too, where it's like, I hold nothing against Joel Hanley. Joel Hanley should only be playing NHL games when it comes to, should only be playing NHL games with this lineup and with this, this collection of players when someone else is hurt, someone else has had a really bad game and needs a game to look up top, or you're trying to like load manage and you don't want to play guys in the back to back. Like that's the only time Joel Hanley should play. That's what Joel Hanley is. He's a seventh defenseman. And you turned him into competition for Nils Lundqvist. Yep. Nils Lundqvist should not have been in that spot. And then it, it's so like going forward right now with the stars, you're at this spot where in the vacuum of today, Thomas Harley will play tonight and hopefully, and and, and, and I hope he plays well, because I don't want him to be in the spot. Sure. But the top draft pick. Exactly. It's, but you're at a spot where in a very weird way, 
and I don't hope this on Tom Harley, but in a very weird way, you get a you have an easier reset if Thomas Harley struggles tonight. And this is terrible, but it's true. If Thomas Harley struggles tonight and on on Wednesday or, or Thursday, sorry, tonight and Wednesday, and you're like, okay, he's not ready for the NHL. We send him back to the AHL. He still has a soft landing to go play 25 minutes for Texas on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost it's almost better from Nils Lundqvist's standpoint and your overall team development in a very weird and sad way that you want Thomas, you don't want Tom, but if Thomas Harley struggles, you can see the path forward where you're like, okay, Lundqvist comes back in, he gets the chance, he seizes it, and then and then we buy out Suter in the summer, and then they're both in the plan for the fall. Yeah. Great. But if Harley seizes this, which hopefully the kid does, he's great. He should, like, hopefully he does. Then you have a Thomas, then you have a Nils Lundqvist problem where he's not going to play, and you're going to run into issues of how do we rebuild this kid's confidence going into next season when 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 we brought him in and we expected him to play such a big role and by the time the playoffs came around we we couldn't even play him and we had Joel Hanley playing bigger games right and like like at, at the end of the day the stars are the stars and I'm not a Ryan's everything Ryan Suters does is bad person i i believe ryan Souter has a very bad contract i believe ryan i believe ryan Souter has a bad contract i believe that he's taken opportunities away that could have gone to other players that the stars should have acknowledged I, but i'm not the black and white ryan Souter has never done anything good camp i i'm not in that camp i i do believe that ryan Souter needs to be should never have been more than a third pairing guy and i i hate that with this alignment tonight miro hashkin is going to have to carry him for 25 minutes but I am now fully in the camp of you have to buy him out for the greater good. And that's what this team has to do. Like if, if Ryan Suter is still on this, on this team heading into next season, you have a real problem because yep, I mean, it's either that or like, would you rather, or it's either that or it's either buy out Ryan Suter or trade Essel and Dell. And I, I don't want to do agree. that either. Yeah. So. Well, his, his, uh, he doesn't have a no movement, but he's got a modified no trade. I believe that, clicked believe, it did he? He, let's check I on believe that. He's, uh, i believe he has the full no movement. That's full no movement so that one's going to be a tough trade too so yeah, i mean s s at least would be like marketable. you would get no more than marketable gms love essel and Del. yeah you would get you would get gms lining up uh quite a bit too to, to trade for essel and Del. so that's but i i i i don't like that he makes 5.8 million but i don't see where you're going to find I don't see where else you're going to find. It's going to be much harder to replace Essel and Dell than it would be Ryan Suter. And, and maybe it's that's a system thing, Sean, but you brought up a point that doesn't show up in analytics. And, and that's the size, big, small. And mm-hmm. I've always thought of uh, the Winnipeg example where you had Tobias Enstrom's, who I think was about 5'8 as a defenseman, maybe. And his linemate on the defensive side was Dustin Bufflin. If you even touched Enstrom, Bufflin was in there. You didn't even want to go near Enstrom because of Big Buff. And I personally have this theory that one of the reasons why at Johnston, he's very smart, keeps his head up. But when you're on the same line as Jamie Ben, you know Jamie Ben's on the ice. So I know it doesn't show up on analytics, and people might say, well, that's a different NHL. I still think that NHL's there, where, like you said, if you're a smaller player and there's no protection on the ice, I can go hit you with 
limited accountability on my side. So well, I, I, I look at, I was watching the, uh, it's from a prospect perspective, just like I was, it was an interesting game last night. I was watching the Detroit Toronto game last night and uh, Detroit called up uh, Marco Casper, their 20, 22 first round pick. And he played his first NHL game last night and he went into the, and, and he got it, got into, got into it with the, with the Leafs and everything like that. And there's something about size and on the ice at the same time is Simon Edvinson. And Edvinson is six foot six, 20 years old, not a nasty mean player, but he's just six foot six. And when you go into when, when you got one guy who's a little ball of hate and running around, it helps to have the big quiet muscle right next to him. Like you need that, right? Like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, you kind of, you kind of need that. You can be a little, you can have the little yappy dog, but you need the big dog standing right behind him sometimes just as the like proof that there's some, that there's someone else there to, to, to bring it. And I, I, with the stars and the size and everything like that, like, I hope that's not the reason that at the end of the day, two years from now we're talking about the failed Nils Lundqvist experiment yeah. because they couldn't, because they blocked him out. Like, yeah. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of a frustrating way to look at it right now. Well, it's absolutely. Just, because yeah. we don't know what we have. Essentially. They, they think they know what they have, but we don't know what we have. And you know what? He, he might go to another team eventually and he might not pan out, but we haven't seen enough of him. Um, to make that decision yet. Um, I did want to talk about Max Domi, who first couple games were really good, but I I think, you know, I would like to see a little bit more out of him. Um, I did like over the weekend where they moved Ty DeLandria up. I think that was the right move. We've been big Ty DeLandria guys on this mm-hmm. podcast as far as kind of a Swiss Army knife. I thought he did a nice job on that fourth line, but I just feel as though there are better opportunities um, more scoring opportunities when you have Ty Delandria along with uh, Sagan and Max Domi. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you've seen from Domi. Where I, I don't want to say it's not clicking. I don't want to say that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that you know when you make that trade, you hope there's a little bit more production out of him. So Max Domi's first five games, uh, one goal and two assists, three points, thirteen shots playing pretty well right um then since then in not nine games in this in this in double that span 10 games one goal to assist three points 16 shots compared to the 13 he had in just the first five games uh minus five obviously not the greatest benefactor but just just kind of using it um using what happened on march 13th gavin do you know Hmm. March 13th. Is that when, Ooh, that was no, that, cause that wouldn't, I'm, I'm. It's the last time Mason Marshman played a game. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was going to say injury. Yep. So that's so Ty Domi first five games with Mason Marshman in the lineup. Fits really well with this roster. 10 games since Mason Marshman comes out. And even though Marshman has had his, not had the numbers and had some of the cold spells, some, some cold spells. There are things that Mason Marchment brought to the lineup that 
others when they try to do can't do. And that is to me, one of the biggest takeaways where this is a very well constructed roster and a very well constructed lineup. When Mason Marchman's healthy, when Mason Marchman's not healthy, you're missing someone because you need somebody else to step in and help be that other uh, bludgeon bludgeoner to go alongside Jamie Ben. Max Domi isn't that guy. Max Domi is the guy who is, I used that little scrappy dog example earlier. Max Domi is that little scrappy dog that is really effective when he's got, when he's got other muscle carrying the role and carrying the line and carrying, and carrying a bit of that. Um, so I, I look at Domi and it's kind of a space where when Mason Marchman's healthy, I think you get a different version of Max Domi. And I think, and, and you can't just like, you can't tie everything to one other player. Obviously part of this is on Domi himself, but it it is, it is an important thing to acknowledge of how one guy unlocks another part of the lineup and changes roles. Um, Domi for me overall is he had a role in Chicago this year. He was Patrick Kane's I mean, they're both wingers, but like he, 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 he ran with Patrick King. And in Dallas, when he came in, he had a role. He, he he had a role that he didn't now his role change. And I don't I think part of the, the issue is we don't know exactly what Max Domi's role is with the Dallas Stars. Right. Now. He is he supposed to be the Mason Marchman villain? Is he supposed to be the guy that is the a scoring boost dude like it's 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 kind of it's kind of that spot where i think he doesn't know where he is it's this weird limbo that was caused by the marchman injury and it takes time to get it takes time to get used to a team when your role keeps changing as well so where i'm going with all of this is the biggest takeaway that anyone says is like the stars really need mason marchman back for the playoffs especially as you get to the time where it's going to get grinding you you really going to want Marchment then and with Domi it's it's also this is this this last eight nine ten game stretch is also the fair sample size where like after five games we were all like let's re-sign Max Domi let's get it done let's get it done yeah I know and now the last nine ten games you're like okay yep let's see hmm yeah. maybe Dadanov's worth re-signing instead I don't know like it's so I I it's to me, the Domi case is very, it's hard for me to look at it without that caveat of the Marshman injury. And I, uh, it's, you'd like to see him, you'd like to see him force the issue himself too. Like that's something where you'd like to see a game here where Max Domi comes out and makes us feel like he's like right now, he's just proving more and more so that he's, a good complimentary player in the right spot. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Lots of guys have had great NHL careers being complimentary players, but maybe Max Domi's not more than that. And that's just something that maybe, maybe we've seen where not when plugged into a different role, he's not going to delivers the wrong word, but he's not, but he's not going to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan, Heavy Stars podcast today. I'm Gavin Spittle, joined by EP Ringsides, uh, Shapshots, and D-Magazine's uh, Sean Shapiro. I did want to point out, I should have pulled the audio, but if we don't toot our own horn, who else should we toot? Um, wanted to say that 
kudos to Sean, only one that was speaking up on Friday's podcast that would not be surprised to see Jake Ottinger in net for both games. And then the news broke over the weekend that Jake Ottinger played Friday night. And of course, immediately after the game, they said he was going Saturday night. So kudos, Sean. Um, and thanks for mentioning that on this podcast. That's why you should listen to Spits and Suds. So uh, as we stand right now, stars in third place, tied point-wise with the Avalanche, one point behind the Wild. This is going to come down to the wire. So I did a little thing. The Stars can clinch a playoff berth with a win tonight. So the remaining games at home for the Stars, Predators, Flyers, Knights, Blues, away, Red Wings, Blues. And then I look at the Avalanche, home for the Sharks, Oilers, and Jets, away for Sharks, Kings, Ducks, and Preds. So I will say the Avalanche have the Sharks twice and the Ducks once. Those teams can be dangerous because they have nothing to play for, but this is going to come down to the wire. My fear is, Sean, and I hate to be the pessimist in this, is finishing third, which we kind of predicted at the beginning of the season that they'd either be third or a wild card, but we don't want to take credit for that. We want them to finish second or first. But my fear is a first-round exit against the Avalanche with how they're playing, how they looked on Saturday night, and then we're kind of scratching our heads saying, we made a coaching decision change, we made some player decision change, and it stays the same. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the schedule. It can all change at any time, but I got to tell you, I think with what's left on the Avalanche schedule, I could either see them elevating to first or finish in that second spot. Yeah, um, I look at tonight's a fascinating one for me, actually, because I look at the standings and Nashville has trails Winnipeg by five points. But Nashville has two games at hand. And so really, it's if Nashville has the opportunity here to. And they're only. Obviously, it's must win, quote unquote, or whatever. But Nashville is playing right now. Is playing for their season tonight, yeah. And they may. Um, I was asked about this the other day. Uh, Greg Wachinski sometimes does. Uh, he he polls people who have voted on awards and everything like that. And uh, he Greg emailed me, and I was emailing with Greg about the Hart Trophy. And right now, it's it's a, Connor McDavid is the Hart Trophy winner, but. Um, if you are look, if the Nashville Predators get into the playoffs, you would have to take a long, hard look at UC Soros as the Hart Trophy winner. Just like you just you, or at least not not saying he would be yeah, over McDavid, but, but you would have to take a long, hard look at how UC Soros goalied the Predators into the playoffs. And so tonight is going to be this is a Nashville team that is going to that they're trying to still save their season. They're still trying to get into the playoffs. It's 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 going to be super interesting. And to connect this back to Dallas, which is what we should do, I guess, the you look at the schedule and you should beat Nashville. Philly is a – you should beat Philly. Philly mm-hmm. is not a good team. Philly is not a good team. You should win that game. Vegas is a test, but yeah. you get it at home, prime time, show up. Detroit is a very weird team right now on the 10th. Detroit's a very weird team because they're 
they're kind of embracing they're 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 basically they're done and they're out or maybe not even officially yet but they will be officially out soon but detroit is a weird team where they got a bunch of young kids they called up to play they've got some guys playing for their futures it's a very weird team but it's a team you should still beat. st louis is a team that that is that should be dead in the wall that you have st louis back to back to end of the season it's going to be to me that is the I don't want to say easiest, but the Blues are packing it up and going home. They sent Joel Hofer down to the AHL so Springfield mm-hmm. could make a deeper run. Like the the saving grace for Dallas in this schedule is you have a back to back against St. Louis to end the season. You should put your foot on St. Louis's throat and end the season that way. That should be the way you end the season and make sure you get this spot and i i think there's that opportunity there um it's it's gonna be i i i have a hard time i still i know it's highly possible i just don't see minnesota holding on to win the division for whatever reason like yep. every time i look at it i keep thinking minnesota is going to be in that two three matchup and so i i feel i keep getting the feeling where it's either going to be dallas versus minnesota or uh dallas versus one of the wild cards i just i just it's i could be wrong obviously it's no. just as much of a chance no just as much chance of playing colorado but i just keep right. looking at it and I, I look at those three teams and i just don't see minnesota winning the division and, and the knights are one of those yeah. the knights are one of those teams you know they beat the wild pretty handily in vegas uh on saturday night and the two teams play again tonight but um. Yeah, Vegas is a spoiler, man. They go through goalies. They and they just 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 win. I mean, Bruce Cassidy. That team is like you count them out, and they're you know they lose some of their best players. It's okay. We'll just keep winning. It's in that in the Pacific's wild too, right? It is. Like you have like uh, everyone is everyone's within two points, just like the Central. Everyone's within one point. Like this is fun. This is this is really yeah. fun. This is playoff style hockey. Like yeah, you've got two really good. You got you got you got a really good playoff race down the stretch between Calgary and Seattle and Winnipeg. I think Seattle's going to be in because of the, with, with the games in hand is going to be a good cushion for, is going to be a vital cushion for them. But it's, if you're, if you're, if you're a stars fan right now, I think you're, you want your best possible matchup for the playoffs. But I think, I think the best way, the healthiest way to look at the final six games is you want a couple things to develop over the next six games. You want the stars to make up their mind and pick who their top six defensemen are for the playoffs. Um, you want that group playing together and you want them to play the last three to four games together. So it's not like you're going into the playoffs with a question on defense. And I know this is going to, it's, it's going to suck. Nils Lundqvist is going to be a scratch and that's going to happen. Ryan Suter is going to be in, accept that people it's going to happen, but you got to live in the, but you got to live in the vacuum of over the next six games. You want the stars to figure out who their six defensemen are. Yep. You want you want Mason Marshment healthy for the playoffs. That's, that's the other bit you want that. And, and while making the playoffs is super important, the other key thing is going to be Jeff Reese's job as the goalie coach to make sure that you are going into game one with the best version of Jake Ottinger. Those, those are the three things. If I'm a stars fan looking at the next six games over 
How do Agreed. we figure out our top six DR? Do we get Mason Marchman back to the playoffs? And how do we make sure over the next six games when it comes to figuring out starts and energy and everything like that, how do we get the best version of Jake Ottinger for those do or do do or do or die times? Right. That's the biggest thing. Yep. It's and- obviously it, it's good to look at playoff matchups and think about it, but if you can just look at those three things and put those three things on your wall to look at, it doesn't matter who you play because then I think you will have the best version of the stars going into the playoffs, no matter who they're playing. Though. And Wedgwood back in the, uh, between the pipes tonight. So it, it'll he was, be, he was good. Yeah. He, he was, was good on Friday. He was apparently. really good. I watched, I yeah. watched some of his uh, tape and he was good. His movement was terrific. Um, so the Texas stars didn't lose in overtime because of Wedgwood. Um, he played well. I thought Milwaukee uh, put a lot of offense on it. Was it Milwaukee, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yep. So I, I thought he played well. I am interested, you know, at the end of the season to say, okay, you know, Wedgwood or Matt Murray. Um, so it's cool that Murray's made that debate, but we'll see how Murray, you know, goes back down and plays for uh, Texas as they continue their uh, playoff run. For those wondering... I pulled it up um, because I didn't want to leave the wild out. So as I mentioned, they play the Knights tonight and then they're on the road against Pittsburgh and then they're home for the blues away for the Blackhawks. And then they have the jets at home and the predators on the road. So um, it'll be, you know, it, it's interesting. And that's why I said, you know, with the sharks twice on the Avs schedule, along with the ducks um, and the way the Avs are playing, you know, it'll, I could, you know, foresee a stars wild matchup in round one, either way, you know, it'll, it'll be a fun, uh, rest of the season. And, uh, I think you put it best. Yeah. Just get ready for the playoffs, win your games. Don't worry about the standings because there's nothing really you can do. If you win, you get two points, you know, wonderful. Um, so I think that's, you know, what they have to do. Listen, I love the deep dive today on Thomas Harley. I think people, you know, wanted to hear that and wanted to hear what's going on with Nils Lundquist you delivered the goods today. You are the man, as always, Sean Shapiro. I'm excited as we gear up for the playoffs. I think we're going to see more physicality in the days to come as teams get ready. I know the ice is starting to shrink already, so hopefully a loud barn at the AAC tonight and uh, hopefully uh, two points because you're right. The Preds are in a must-win situation. And candidly, I th- I'd like to see the Stars get into kind of an urgency play as well. thought they played well against uh, Arizona uh, on Friday did what they had to do. And I actually thought they played in the first period. I thought they played really well. I just think it was the Nathan McKinnon show. And uh, boy, when we look at, I'll end with this, Sean, feel free to chime in. You know, we think of McDavid, we think of other players. Sometimes it's weird to say, because I'm, you know, we talked about, he's definitely not underrated, but we tend to forget about players like Nathan McKinnon and just watching him on Saturday night. And that, that first goal, I think, really set the table because I thought the Stars were playing really well, but McKinnon, because of his speed, keeps it in the zone, circles back, is in the right position for an easy goal on a one-timer. I just thought that was so special and shows every time he's on the ice, he's must-watch. And it's just, I mean, it's just fascinating. They're getting Landeskog back, um, I think, um, I think probably for the playoffs. Um, they're getting a couple other players back, so... Ooh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I think, I think it's something that's Nathan McKinnon. The reason that we don't, I think two things happened for the reason we don't have, uh, he kind of gets forgotten sometimes when you think about stuff. So I think two things happened. One, 
he kind of was tasked with carrying a really bad team earlier in his career. Yep. And so kind of sometimes when you play with a bad team, you don't get all the the hype and the love and everything like that. And then I think the other thing that happened, and this is something that will never happen to McDavid, is um, McKinnon had a player come in who legitimately is just as exciting as Kale McCarr. And I think that's the other thing too. Like, I think it's kind of the whole thing where it's like, if, if Nathan McKinnon, if Kale McCarr wasn't on the avalanche, I think Nathan McKinnon is still, I think he looks at Obviously the avalanche don't win a Stanley cup Good without point. Kale McCarr. So, so yep. Nathan will gladly take them. Nathan McKinnon will gladly take the trade off. Yep. But I think, I think uh, the view, the view of McKinnon just sometimes gets skewed slightly because people, see his kill McCars there and yeah. what he brings. And uh it's so it's that's uh it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of in, in in that in that vein of thought. But man, it's gonna be to, you know what? There's some good games like tonight's if you if you wanted yeah. to watch um the Vegas Minnesota like if you if you're if you're if you're sitting at home you want to go split screen it actually it's it's great. It's staggered starts. You can go Vegas Minnesota at seven you can go Dallas Nashville at seven thirty you get the staggered start. You can flip back and forth between. Like it's it's actually it's it's actually a good Monday night of hockey. It really is. So so it's yeah 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 absolutely absolutely. Oh oh yeah, and then Arizona plays. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That the good news was it wasn't a trap game on Friday night. The stars came to play. So <laughs> correct, correct. You correct. know, I, I like that a lot. All right, that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. We could probably go for another hour based on uh, all the hockey that's being dropped on us lately, but we're going to call it a day for today. But we'll talk later on in the week with the beast, Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Thank you so much. As we've mentioned before, March was a record for Spits and Suds. So you guys are doing amazing stuff by spreading the word that there's local hockey talk here in DFW and beyond, and it's happening right here on Spits and Suds. So please, Spread the word. We're all in all the major podcast networks. So just uh, do a Google search for Spits and Suds and download it on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Have a good one, everyone.